Hi, I'm Tyra G, your host of Frankly Speaking with Tyra G. Welcome to, again to our virtual global gathering of phenomenal women. Yes, you and all of them who love you. Mothers, daughters, great and grandmothers, great grandmothers, fearsome and glory, humble and honest, in pursuit of new possibilities and purpose. You know, here we dig deep and we come up strong. For those of you listening for the first time, each month we explore a new theme inspired by you. Yes, yes, yes. You, you're a part of the production. We readily walk into places where tradition has taught us there's some things you just don't talk about, but not here. Here we go bravely into places that at this table are okay. No matter how hard judgment knocks, it will not get in. Beloved, here we live beyond the wreckage. Each week we experience, educate, encourage, and empower each other. We share aha moments and stories that have been left in our pockets for way too long. We start right where we are. I got to tell you, I am so excited. We are in month 10. Month 10, this is proof. Listen, everyone, dreams can come true. And listen, I thank God for every one of you who encouraged me and said, come on, Ty, you can do this. You gave me the gifts of your ideas. You gave me your encouragement and your presence. And guess what? Those were the gifts that inspired me to keep on keeping on. So to all of you, I want to say thank you. You're listening to Radio Fairfax in Fairfax, Virginia on your TV, computer, or mobile device. And we are webcast worldwide on the internet at www.radiofairfax.org every Saturday evening at 8 o'clock, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And if you have that heavy date, are you going out to dinner? That's okay. You can catch up with us on YouTube at Frankly Speaking with Tyra G. And if there's anyone out there that wants to talk to me offline, email me at tyra, tyragarlington.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. And thank you, Courtney Nero, for composing and performing our Frankly Speaking with Tyra G theme song. And Courtney, thank you for naming it. I'm listening. Our theme these two months has been courageous conversations. Two big C words, yeah, and one big concept. And sometimes courageous conversations are uncomfortable. But guess what? In order for this to work, you, yes, you have to invest your own authenticity and vulnerability. You're going to have to be perfectly imperfect to receive in love the information about the issues that we, that we see as uncomfortable, okay? We're going to have to deal with, anticipate, and forgive some of the things that we're hearing in these, in these two months that we're together. We're going to contemplate, evaluate, learn about, be surprised by, and celebrate. Yes. But guess what we're discovering? This is, this is amazing. Every show we've had, the same trend of thought is a result. We've talked so far about surviving breast cancer not once but twice, intergenerational caregiving of a senior who is developmentally disabled, a mother's unwavering pursuit to get her daughter back from human sex trafficking, Fairfax County's leadership to prevent and end homelessness. An ex-convict discussed her journey into her current status as role model and mentor. We had the production, we talked about the production, protection, and lack thereof of victims of domestic violence. We began to weave together some of these themes, domestic violence, sex trafficking, and guess what? We talked about pediatric and teen mental health. The problem starts there with their vulnerabilities. One, things we one thing we discovered is that the problem is not talked about, rec recognized or dealt with until it's a problem in school. 
Put that in your heart and remember. We all discovered that when you want to have a courageous conversation and you decide this is the moment, often we're not even ready. We have to understand that courageous conversations don't just happen. They are a result of a journey, not an event. You know what? So often courageous conversations start and end in our minds and in our hearts. They are wrapped in silence. Sometimes they don't even happen. But guess what? We all have times and seasons when it requires us to go ahead and take that step, take that risk, say those words. But sometimes we let fear and shame and guilt demonize our potential to overcome. But we don't have to. Not now, not for today. We're going to pause in a place where we can be mirrors for one another. Our goal is to better understand topics that don't make it into polite conversations or don't arrive at the dinner table. I want to open the door to our common thought space today with the following quote from MIC Network, Inc., And it begins, everyone, every hero has a past. When we think of formerly incarcerated people, we often focus on their previous actions rather than their humanity. The term criminal, which tends to be hurled up in these people as an insult, brings to mind images of terrifying wrongdoings unworthy of respect or compassion. But... With about 2.3 million people incarcerated, the United States has the world's largest prison population. And despite the fact that African Americans and Hispanics make up only one quarter of the general U.S. population, combined they comprise 58% of the prison population, according to the NAACP. Given this enormous number of imprisoned individuals and, in turn, the enormous number number of now free individuals with past convictions, the effect of these stereotypes stereotypes of criminality are at a far-reaching and closed-mind conclusion. But, but, But what if we thought of these people not as pariah? but as full human beings with the capacity to use their experiences to change the world. Some formerly incarcerated individuals are doing just that and defying the odds they face in a society where it's difficult to destroy the restrictive stereotypes connected to imprisonment. Using tools like filmmaking, public policy design, mental health advocacy, and community organizing. These world changers are shifting the culture and system of incarceration in the United States. Their work is a reminder that jail time and criminal convictions are not the sum total of personhood. More importantly, it challenges an unjust criminal justice system that disproportionately targets racial and ethnic minorities. We need to know their names and their stories because they are shattering what we think we know about criminality and the prejudices that determine who ends up behind bars or not. Let me leave you with this example. Jada Raspberry is a 28-year-old from Los Angeles who works as an organizer with Dignity and Power Now. In 2006, Raspberry was arrested, sentenced, and convicted to six years in Valley State Prison for Women on two counts of armed robbery. Raspberry left the prison system in 2012. She told MIC that she was not thinking about consequences of her decision when she broke the law at 18. But she left prison inspired to bring awareness to what she calls ugly truth behind the walls. As a result, 
She has offered testimonies at, state, at the state capitol about medical negligence inside prisons, suicides and alternatives to prison, and rehabilitation programs and preventative mental health services. She does outreach work now, three days a week, in directly impacted communities, where she educates people about the realities of imprisonment. Now here's the best news. Jada is among the growing army of women who with the proper support system exceeds all expectations to show that impossible is merely a word to describe the degree of difficulty. After our break, we're going to meet a woman who lives in a space called drive and compassion and a burning desire to change the lives of female offenders. She, she says, as a, in a quote, there is really a big shift in the community response to incarceration in this country. We've gone from having it to be something that people don't talk about or even acknowledge to something people are better understanding and hopefully seeing it as a social issue that needs repair. She will share her experience based on and the wisdom resulting from her walk in this space. Stay close now. And we are back. Sitting across from me today is someone so special. I'm becoming acquainted with her uh, in her walk and in her work. I'd like for you to meet Ms. Carrie Galloway. And Carrie knows that uh, I ask each of my guests to pretend that they are a book in a human library. And in doing that, that they give us their preface and they tell us about themselves in a way that makes us want to keep reading their book. So Carrie, talk to us about who you are. Hi, Tyra, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. I can't start my preface without saying that it's incredible to be in company of such a wonderful and courageous woman. So thank you for that. Thank you. So my book is kind of a rambling autobiography of somebody who wasn't sure what they wanted to do with their life, who kept um, wandering around and looking for a good fit mm -hmm. and finding lots of things that they enjoyed and always working hard and doing a good job and learning everything they could about what they did never quite feeling their niche mm -hmm. and continuing to walk a path I would say of integrity and exploration until one day I happened on this well I really needed a job that day <laughs> <laughs> I'd actually been needing a job for more than one day uh -huh. and um, I was doing odd jobs and then I, I found my current position I was n not at all thinking I was gonna get it and then once I got it I thought oh my god what am I gonna do with this <laughs> this is crazy um, and now 13 and a half years later it's become my passion and what is it <laughs> it is the friends of guest house and it's your uh, position there I am the executive director that's uh, we were chatting before the uh, before the show, and I said, you know, Carrie, it's like so cool. Uh, you are who you are, and you've done what you've done because you needed a job. So we were laughing about that. Shows us how much we're not in charge of our lives. Exactly. You are supposed to be here doing what you do. So let me ask you this: you figured it out. So there had to be some things that happened in your life that helped you get ready quickly. What kind of life did you lead to get you ready for leadership and compassion, the things that I've seen, seen in you? Well, I've, I've had some really good role models. Uh, I, I'm a good listener. I've always found myself in positions where I could watch and follow mm -hmm. and try to learn from other people. And, and I think... I don't think through that process I thought of myself 
much as a leader. It wasn't until I was probably in my 30s mm-hmm. that the first time, even though I'd owned my own business, so clearly I was able to lead the mm-hmm. business, I never really thought of that as a position, a leadership position. I thought of it more as a job. Mm-hmm. And so I was um, was finally brought to my attention by a gentleman who uh, I was actually filling an interim position at, at the University of Idaho Women's Center. It was a year post that turned into a year and a half long post. And the interim president of the university at the time took me aside one day and he said, I just found out that you're in an interim position here. And I said, yeah. And he said, I would have never thought that because you're everywhere. You're at all the meetings. You're working really hard. You're in here causing problems in my office. You're rattling (laughs) cages all over campus. You're doing all these things. Why aren't you just, you know, keeping the boat floating? Mm -hmm. You know, most people in an interim position just want to, you know, they just want to keep everything going in one direction. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, there's so much work to be done. I just couldn't sit here and not try to do things for a year and a half more than just keep the boat floating. I think you just exposed yourself. (laughs) We see now that regardless of where you are, you're a doer. Yeah, I really like to work hard. Yeah, yeah. Even if it's not your boat. Right. If it's a boat you just happen to be traveling in and you see something that needs to be fixed, you're at it. Right. I'm the person with the hole, with their finger in the hole. (laughs) <laughs> Which is, I mean, you know, we're delighted. We're absolutely delighted that, that, that you're that person, okay? Thank you. And um, I'm going to do something. Uh, I'm going to interrupt your introduction and read uh, the woman who was doing something in Iowa in an interim position. This is a headline from a 2018 newsletter. It says, Friends of Guest House received Sojourner Truth Local Activist Award. Recognizing our work and service to women of color, Friends of Guest House received George Mason's University's Sojourner Truth Local Activist Award, one of four uh, for 2018, presented at this year's Sojourner Truth Lecture on February 19th. And for our international and national uh, listeners, we are located in Fairfax, Virginia, and George Mason is a world-renowned university here. So um, I want you to talk about Friends of Guest House, when you stepped into it, wasn't a headliner. <laughs> no, it was a, well, I call it a phoenix rising from the ashes. Okay. It, it, let me back up a little bit. I want to tell the folks that are listening exactly what Guest House is. Wonderful. And how it got started. So. Um, Guest House began in 1974. It is similar to what the name Guest House sounds like. It's a place where people can come and stay for a short time. Only at our Guest House, they don't pay to be there. They're able to stay for free. And they have um, several things in common. One, they're all women. And two, they're all coming out of incarceration. So they're not your typical guests, I guess, in that way. But they come and they stay with us for six months. Mm-hmm. We have, um, so in 1974, when the program started, which, by the way, was started by the pop, a, a woman who was part of the population that we serve. She came out of federal prison. She came back to her community in Alexandria, Virginia, mm-hmm. and there were no resources for women like herself, and so she did something about it. She rented a big empty house in a neighborhood that wasn't as nice as it is today, and she began welcoming women into her, her home. Mm-hmm. And so um, showing them support, helping them rebuild their lives, helping them get jobs, doing all the things that they needed to do to reconnect to the community and get back on their feet. So here we are, fast forward to 2005 when I took over, um, in 2002 and 2003, the organization was threatened with shutting down. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it actually had shut down, lost contracts with the Department of Corrections, lost the funding from all the local resources. And several women who had been through the program in the then 20-some years that it had been open 
uh, wrote letters and said, please do not let this happen. This mm -hmm. program saved my life. Mm -hmm. And so um, some community members saw that those letters and saw a little article in the Washington Post mm -hmm. and said, what can we do to save this place? And so they got together and they pulled resources and they did a physical as well as a, a structural, of, and by structural I mean management, mm -hmm. um, rebuilding of the program. So I came eight months after they had reopened and we, uh, we had a very small budget and we had nine women who okay. lived with us. So fast forward to today, we have 26 women currently. We have two sites. And then we have aftercare housing for women who, once they leave our residential program. And we have an outreach program where we support women who are in the community who don't need to or can't come into the residential program for a variety of reasons. Maybe they have children. Mm -hmm. um, they already have a place to live. We. Uh, Due to the nature of our programming, we don't have children living with us in, in either of the residential homes. And that's mainly um, because we think the women need to focus on themselves when they're first released from jail or prison. And children are are important competing part of that. Competing priority. <laughs> a competing. Yeah, that's, that's a perfect way to phrase it. Yes. 70% of the women do have children. And 70% yes. of those children are under 18, which is a national statistic that, that uh -huh. we find bears out with us as uh -huh. well. It's, um, you know, it's really important for women. It's the single most important reason that they won't go back to jail or prison. Absolutely. Establishing re relationships with their children and their families. I um, Two things I want to talk about. Um, but the last thing you said, I, I was um, many, many years ago in another life, I did for one year investigative reporting on um, women offenders. Mm -hmm. At that time, there were no such uh, pre-incarceration, mm -hmm. incarceration, post-incarceration that was developmental. Most of the women in jail had an adjunct to a men's program. Mm -hmm. Most of the time they played cards you know, and did other things. But what you just said, um, they had one, one facility I went to in uh, Washington State. The Purdy Institute for Women assumed the women from Walla Walla, and they had an electronic prison. I'm getting to the point that they allowed children to come on the weekend, and they had a work and training release program. So what they did was simulate a normal, a new normal for the women who'd been incarcerated. And that shot their success numbers up tremendously. I'm sure. Uh, but what I want to now go back to is uh, Guest House in Alexandria. And I've toured uh, Guest House, this particular site, and I noticed several things. One, you have community support. Mm -hmm. Talk about that a little bit because um, – the community is really awesome where you live. It's beautiful, it's tree-lined, it's quiet, and there you sit. Right. And I went to a fundraiser where someone that, who lived in the neighborhood decided to have people over and raise money. Yeah. So how'd that happen? <laughs> We're really blessed. Um, we have some phenomenal neighbors. I think given that we've been there since 1974, mm -hmm. uh, we don't have any NIMBY or not-in-my-backyard issues because... There are very few people left in that neighborhood that were there before us. So okay. I think everybody that moved in, if they did their due diligence, they knew we were there. We're not a safe house. We're not a right, undisclosed right, right. location. Uh -huh. We're in the community. We want the women to be part of the community. We want to interact with the neighbors. We want the women to take pride in our home. They do all the chores inside and out. The house looks beautiful. It does. We do get a lot of community support. We have groups that come in and paint inside and out. They help in the yard. So there's this com you know, this camaraderie or mm -hmm. uh, you know, neighborliness. Respect. Yeah. Mutual respect. In both directions. Yes. And I think that helps people. You know, one of the things that we want to do is raise the bar, right? We want to be in a nice neighborhood yes. because everybody deserves to live in a safe place, in a beautiful home, 
in a nice environment. And part of that is learning how to take care of it and learning how to respect yourself and respect your neighbors. And understand that you can have it. Yeah. By existing in that neighborhood, there's proof. Right. Well, shoot, I've been in jail. I've been in prison. Mm -hmm. And look at where I'm living. And it's not, doesn't have to define who you are. Exactly. Doesn't have to be what if we were all defined by our worst moments? Oh, Lord. I mean, we've all had them. Yes, yes, you know? yes, yes. And have them on a regular basis. Exactly. Yeah. We're all evolving and yeah. becoming our best self. Absolutely. So people shouldn't be held back by the things that they've done. And I think one of the hardest lessons for us to learn is self-compassion. Mm-hmm. And uh, living our best life requires that. Yeah. And self-compassion requires us to be vulnerable. You know, like, hey, I blew it. But that was a behavior. That's not who I am. Exactly. You know, able to separate. Talk about, okay, the house. Now, you, everybody listening knows that the house is in a great community. Mm-hmm. It's a great house. The women keep it up well. Uh, you've got programming going on that is pretty exciting. And I particularly like what's going on with the workforce program. Can you talk about that? Sure. So, Last year, we decided to pilot with the help of another local uh, women's giving circle here in Fairfax, mm-hmm. the Giving Circle of Hope. And they gave us our little seed money to pilot our workforce and life development. We had been doing evening classes for the women that were led by community members and volunteers. And they came in, and you know, but they were on an eight-week cycle. Okay. It was one day a week. Um, it was really hard to keep the momentum so we decided to do something a little more um, robust Mm -hmm. and so we piloted this program brought in some folks we paid a staff person to really you know we were able to do that to 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 get things together and so this year so we we started that just last spring and then we built it up um, with another grant from them and as well as tons of community support, as right. you said, we really have an amazing community, such strong supporters and collaborators. We brought in people from other community nonprofits mm-hmm. to help us teach classes and really give the women as many of the skills as possible so that they had the best possible running start once they left our organization. So now the women are, they come into the program, they're assessed both from a um, case management perspective, like what do they need? We have a lot of people with mental health issues, right, substance right, abuse right. issues. So those those needs um, are taken care of or how, how are they scheduled. taken care of? So most of the women go through an initial mental health screening with okay. the community services board, okay. and then they, with a therapist, decide what how what course of therapy they want to go. So what from we're there. also saying now is. The county mm-hmm. is involved mm-hmm. in supporting mm-hmm. the women when, once they're out, understanding they're wrapped in issues. So we have mental health support. Right. Okay. And subs, outpatient substance abuse support. Outpatient substance abuse. So people can go to classes two or three days a week. They're encouraged to get a sponsor. If you know, um, as the listeners may know about the um, Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcot. Narc- Narcotics, Narcotics Anonymous. Wow, that was a hard word to say for some reason. <laughs> it's okay. I'm stumbling today as well. But you know, it's one of those days. I'm not giving it up. I'm staying here for 58 minutes. In this chair. <laughs> yes. So um, they're encouraged to get sponsors, go mm-hmm. to outside meetings, engage in their recovery, okay. and be active in that. So we're and, and so part of workforce and life then is to build in some psychosocial okay. groups where they get additional support. They've got we've got the nuts and bolts things like resume writing, interviewing, dressing for success. Then we have things that are more on the life side. So we have a woman that comes in. She does nutrition. Great. Um, talks about great. You know how what healthy. You know what it's like to be healthy and feel good. Mm-hmm. A lot of the women have been not taking care of themselves in years and years. We have a lot of chronic health problems. A lot of folks, as I I think your quote earlier from the young woman that's doing the Jada, doing the advocacy said, there are a lot of untreated health issues that a lot of the women um, present with. So we're trying to get them hooked into better lifestyle and to get things taken care of early. 
and I'm, I'm sorry for interrupting. No. I get energized when I think of this yeah. population. But some, I looked at 38 state prisons and two mm-hmm. federal prisons, and there was a theme. These women didn't feel worthy. Mm-mm. Okay, so if they weren't getting what they needed, so what? All right. right. And, and so we have an answer to so what? Yeah. So what is because you are a human being? Yeah. We're dealing with humanity. We're not dealing with some kind of animal. Right. You have something to give, and we're going to figure out what it is, and we're going to give you an opportunity to give and it. And you matter. Yes, yes. You know? Absolutely. Your, your, your workforce development. I'm sorry, what's her name? Your uh, person that's doing Oh, Terry. Terry. Talked about a field trip. Mm-hmm. She takes them on. Can you talk about... Um, they go into the community. They go into businesses. Is that it? Oh yeah, yeah. They're, they're yeah. They, they go on a scavenger. Hunt. That's it. That's <laughs> it. The scavenger hunt. Yes. So they their um, task is to to take a series of questions and go into businesses and talk to uh, employers and ask them questions about what makes a good employee. What do you look for? You know, there's a lot of there's I think twelve questions. Uh-huh. And so the the level one is to to just get all your questions answered mm-hmm. by various employers and engage and ha- learn what it's like to have those kind of conversations and also learn what it is that people are looking for right in a good employee yes and so the, and then um, the second so, so if you get all of those um, an- questions answered mm-hmm. then that's then you've you, you've accomplished that which is a pretty big deal because a lot of people are afraid to talk you know and they're afraid to share their stories about you know, yes. well, why are you asking these questions and then the second part of that is if you get somebody to come in and be a guest speaker yes in the workforce and life yes. development classes and to share their experiences with the other women and so you have to completely uh, schedule all of that it's your responsibility to mm-hmm. stay in touch with that employer and get them to come in and get the make sure the classes you know running well and they have all their supplies and everything they need if they're going to do say a powerpoint or something yeah so that's the the other part of that and then the big the big wowie is if you can get somebody to agree to even temporarily like do an internship where you could or a job shadowing where you could go in and spend some time yeah of course you know what an opportunity to go in and see how other people Watch, yes. look, learn yes. how people, you know, and to practice that whole uh, getting up and getting dressed and, like you said, self-worth. Yes. You know, I'm worthy of a job. I, even if I'm not getting paid, I still have drive. I still have goals. And one of my goals today is to get up and feel good enough about myself yes. and have some breakfast and catch the bus on time and get there and just show up. I, um, I'm smiling because... Uh, Obviously, you've triggered some memories of conversations I've had with some of the women there. But um, one thing I was thinking, the scavenger hunt, Mm -hmm. how many of our listeners could go out and do that exercise? How many of us? Because we know speaking in front of people, especially people you don't know, is what? Number one of the fears of stressors. Yeah. And we're asking them to go in and multiple times say, hey, I am. Right. I need, I want, who are you, what are you, that's, that's big. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that, um, the other thing that I'm smiling about, I spoke with one of the women there who actually called me because she was going to be a guest on my show. And she said, Miss Tyra, I said, yes, how are you? She says, I'm just fine. But we hadn't talked about what I'm supposed to do when I come on your show. And I'm about, now listen to this, I'm about to catch the bus, to catch the train, Mm -hmm. to catch the bus to go to school. And I wanted to talk to you before my day began because I work tonight. I don't know how many people heard that. Mm. She's calling me first thing in the morning before she catches the bus, to catch the train, to catch the bus, to go to school before she goes to work. Yeah. Now, to me, that speaks volumes when we're talking about you can't label somebody right. and keep them in a hole right. and say this is who you are because that's what you did. Right. And we both know this, this, this woman has changed her life and many lives. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going, yes. She's yes. powerful. Yeah, and I she's mean, not the driven. only one. I know, I know. You know, 
I do. I do. I really do. You've got to really want to succeed to do that, to take a bus, to take a train, yeah. to take a bus. I mean, in Northern Virginia, school. come on. Yeah, that's, that's two hours. <laughs> yes, and One then way. she's going to school. But as she mentioned on her show, the thing that has turned her around was when she went to school in prison. Mm-hmm. And she understood the power of knowledge. Yep. And now she is working and sharing that message with other women, yep. which is, that is so powerful. That's how we get back. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, one of the things Terry told me, and uh, I gave her my word and I have not kept my promise. <laughs> she said, you know, Ty, we work so hard and they have so much potential. And yet I haven't figured out how to erase the fact that they believe they can only achieve so much. Say, for instance, um, they were making this hourly wage before they went in. Uh, they don't understand that it's possible to make more. Right. They stay in that place. And so what kind of messages, what kind of training do we need to present to them so they can throw off that cape and wear the robe of possibilities, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm thinking, um, if there's anyone that has ideas that's listening, yes, how that's do they exactly get? What t- I was say. <laughs> how do they get in touch <laughs> with you, Carrie? They can call our office 703 549 8072. They can send me an email at info at and tell us that they're willing to come in and be a guest speaker or they want to be a mentor. We have a phenomenal mentoring program. And one of the things the Work and Life program mm. hopes to do is to bring in people to speak who will then help the women find jobs or find internships. We want them to get more than just a job. We want them to aspire, aspire mm-hmm. to a career a job that has benefits, a job where, as you say, they can make more money, mm-hmm. they can support their families, they can afford to live in Northern Virginia if that's their chosen community, if that's their home, mm-hmm. and be prosperous, tax-paying citizens. That's their dream. It's our dream for them. Sometimes we're the ones helping them focus on what's possible. Everybody needs that, That those strong role models be they men or women absolutely absolutely and and we can do that for each other we can walk beside each other we can lock arms and we can say the world we don't want to be defined by being the country with the largest population of incarcerated people in the world that's not something to celebrate that's something to feel terrible about it's tragic and sometimes I just think it's a matter of power. Yeah. You know, if you can put away and hide mm-hmm. this, then, um, but it's not working as we know. Exactly. Uh, you know, the, the other thing I wanted to mention, because we have a national, international audience, I happen to know that technology is awesome, mm-hmm. that they have the seminars in a room, a conference room, and you can call in and do a lecture, a Q&A. You may have a story to tell that could just wow these women. Yeah. So don't think because you're not living in Northern Virginia that you can't make an impact oh, no. on what's happening here. We'd absolutely love to have women from anywhere. All, exactly. <laughs> and all walks of life. Yes. Everybody has absolutely. a story to share and their inspiration to give to somebody else. And speaking of giving, uh, I have a, an article written about by or about one of your volunteers. May I? Please. Okay. This is in your volunteer spotlight. Uh, the woman's name is Allison Noble, Grocery Shops. <laughs> and I quote, I must have driven by guest house a million times, recounts Allison. We're neighbors. About three years ago, I did a little research and found the mission spoke to me and I wanted to help. I started to volunteer. At first, I was a GED tutor and mentor. After my second child was born, I didn't have much time, so I became a grocery shopper. It works well for my schedule. It's somewhat flexible, and I can bring my kids along if I have to. 
Help I help with things like gro- or help with things like grocery shopping is so important at guest house because it allows the staff to focus on their primary responsibilities, the residents. Otherwise, when there's no one else to shop, staff member has to do it. I love it. Everyone is so nice and so appreciative. It fits with my life. I know I'm helping, and it's also nice to slowly involve my children. My son helps me unload sometimes so they can learn the importance of volunteering too. Now, there was message upon message upon a message in there. One, we have a neighbor who's accepting. Mm -hmm. We have a neighbor who said, hmm, what's going on behind them doors? And took the initiative to find out and then found a place to help and now has involved her children. Pretty powerful. Yeah, I, I thought that was wonderful. And I need to take a break for a moment. So you all stay close now. Like indie rock or classical? What about soul or sports? Maybe politics? Find your interests here on Radio Fairfax. And we are back. I am sitting here with Ms. Carrie Galloway, who is the executive director of Friends of Guest House. It is a point in time. It is an oasis for women who are transitioning from incarceration into their new normal, their new world. And uh, Carrie's been sharing some of the programs available. And we have invited our listening audience to give her a jingle if you have ideas, if you want to volunteer, that's locally. If you want to just connect, maybe do a seminar on the phone, we are saying please do call. And I'll have her give those numbers again before we sign off. I want to flip the script just a little bit, and I want you to dream, Carrie. I want you to think about you're still in the boat, you're still in charge, and uh, you've got on your Wonder Woman suit, and you've turned it up to high. So what is it you see yourself doing in the future? What have you accomplished? What have you accomplished in two years or in five years? What are your goals? So the very practical part of me. Okay, the dream big and somewhat (laughs) practical part of me (laughs) says that we would be in a bigger facility. and I hate that word. I in a bigger home space. How's okay, that? that's you better. Know, a nice uh, apartment building where we're we have our residential program on one floor. And Oprah, if you're listening, we have written you a letter before. And and, <laughs> and we're going to write our, another <laughs> <laughs> describing our dream. Um, just supporting the women and allowing them to live longer in under our roof. And for our aftercare women and our outreach women to be in the same building where we're not, they're not having 24 seven staff anymore, but they have people they can turn to when they're in those moments where they're frightened or they are afraid they're gonna make a poor decision that they have someone right there in that moment to go to. I just, while we were on the break, I just looked over at my phone, sorry, multitasking. Mm -hmm. And, there was a text from one of our staff saying that um, one of our outreach clients who does have a small son, babysitter babysitting situation for tomorrow fell through, and so she had a she has um, an appointment that she has to go to that she can't take the baby to, and one of our aftercare women has agreed to babysit for that little boy for that time that the mother needs to go. But now we need to try to figure out how else that we can support her. I mean, this community is so amazing. These women are so willing to give back to one another to support each other. So having them all be under one roof would just be phenomenal. And it would save us all so much time and energy and resources. Um, so that's, that's that's one dream that I have. Okay, let me make sure I got it. Um, you're in a centralized facility yes. that allows peer counseling, peer mm-hmm. support mm-hmm. as needed. Um, you 
you want to grow the sense of community and facilitate things like the anecdote you just gave. Oh, my gosh, I need a babysitter. No problem. Got that. We have a little nursery or whatever area Mm -hmm. on site that is supervised and accredited by, you know, all necessary agencies that this can happen. Yep. And what I loved was your dream is based on empathy. Mm. Yeah. Did you have a V part of that dream? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Given that, uh, and I think this is really important for people to know that women are the fastest growing segment of the incarcerated population. There's still this, you know, there's still many, many more men incarcerated than there are women. Mm -hmm. But women, incarceration has grown by 800, almost 800% over the last 20, 25 years. What? The war on drugs. Okay, okay. Yeah. That, okay. So most women are nonviolent offenders. Right. And so a lot of the substance abuse issues that they're plagued that because of the trauma mm-hmm. that they've had as, as young girls and young women, lots of sexual abuse, lots of yes. violence, uh, sexual assault, and then untreated, no therapy. PTSD. PT- mm-hmm. Horrible. So my vision really, if I'm going to leap out here with my cape, is that we work with them sooner than before they go to jail and prison. Okay, break the cycle. if they do make it to jail and prison, that we do something more productive uh, with them while they're there. Nobody should leave, first of all, if we can't catch them before they go, Mm -hmm. which would be my ideal. That would be the best world. walking shoulder to shoulder saying, Come on, baby girl. You you're you've been hurt, you've been injured, but this doesn't have to define your life. Absolutely. This is not how you have to carry forward. So yes. let's get them early. If we don't catch them early, please God, if they are in the system, let's help rebuild them while they're there and not wait until they get out and come to a program like ours to begin the rebuilding process. We've got to give people tools and we've got a captive audience for lack of a better word we have people who need things to do that's the time to build self-esteem that's the time to give them skills that's the time for like Helenia go back to school realize your potential realize your dream we have people behind bars who could change the world yes yes and they should and it should be talked about that there's more black and brown people behind bars. This is not, this is a community problem and it demands a community response. So my future, my big dream is that we, walking together as a community, look at the over-criminalization that's taking place in this country. And instead of seeing the people as bad, we see them as people who need to be built up mm-hmm. and brought back. Mm-hmm. to wholeness and return to our communities whole instead of more broken and with more barriers. And I'm thinking, um, I heard you say cultural change, mm-hmm. which means we're not just changing people inside the walls. We're, we're changing, changing us. Yes. And uh, what we have to stop doing is uh, responding and labeling people forever based on behavior. Yeah. And I cannot believe how time is flying. You just have to come back. But before you get to go, I gave you an assignment. Uh, I asked Carrie, as I do everyone else, to please write a letter to her, her younger self. I'm going to ask her to read it now. Okay. Dear Toadie, a.k.a. Carrie Catherine, never forget that we nicknamed you Toadie because even though you were late to walk, We felt that you preferred to hop, and that was just fine with us. You will be running soon. Once you take off, you will be upright and always on the move. Sometimes people will ask you if you ever sleep, and for a while, the answer to that will be only in short spurts. You will spend your early years quietly watching others, finding your place and learning in your quietness where and how to take your place. Similar to your walking, once you find your voice, you will use it to help other people. You will become a champion of those who cannot or will not speak for themselves. Never forget that when you lift up others truly, you are receiving ten times the blessing as those as you are also lifted up. Sometimes you will feel like a motherless child because of your mother's leaving when you are 
very young, but many, many fearless and loving role models, both female and male, will arrive to show you with great grace and dignity how to grow into a strong and caring woman. Often they will not be gentle, but always you will learn and grow. Celebrate all of them for stepping up instead of mourning and being angry at someone who needed to step aside for a while. And finally, speaking of stepping, you have always been one to tread lightly on this earth. You stop and wait for a bug to pass or usher a spider, a ladybug, and even a hornet outside to safety. You will cherish life no matter what, and your innate compassion will give you courage to keep moving to the next outstretched hand until at the end that hand will lift you up to look back on a life well lived. Don't fret, please. Often you will worry too much. I got you. Your bigger, more upright self. Oh, Carrie, that's beautiful. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you so much Thank for you. sharing. Uh, that was not a head-to-head -head letter. That was definitely a heart-to-heart -heart and a spirit-to-spirit. Um, that's where I want to leave you. I want I want you to walk in a spiritual space for a moment um, during the week. If you find a moment where you're saying, "Hmm, I need a spiritual snack. I'm tired. I can't do this anymore." What's the answer? Uh, where is my help? If you're asking any of these questions, don't doubt who you are or whose you are. Okay. Check your label. You're not a markdown. You are a designer's original. God set you up and assigned you value. You're wonderfully and fearfully made. I need you to surround yourself with people who can remind you of who you were created to be. Remember this. You're not alone. You're worthy. What happens to you is quite different from who you are. You have everything that you need inside of you to be the person that you were created to be. You know what? I'm here and I hear you. Your seat at this table is guaranteed. All you have to do is tune in to www.radiofairfax.org. My guest today again has been Ms. Carrie Galloway, Executive Director of Friends of Guest House. Until next time, this is Tyra. I love you. <laughs>